Plants capture CO2. What if we could help industrial plants capture it too? Think how we could help lower emissions. It's one way ExxonMobil is helping industrial plants be more like plants. Live off and running on today's show, we take you behind the scenes in the Patriots locker room for a special tradition that started with our own Teddy Bruschi. Oh, yeah. Plus, week seven is here. Nothing comes to those who wait. I've conditioned my mind, trained my body, sacrificed my soul. The image of excellence is all I could settle for. Nothing worth fighting for has come easy. With hard work, there are no limits. Do it now. Are you ready for Week 7? Kicks off tonight. Glad you're with us for NFL Live here with Adam Schefter, Darren Woodson. And I'm looking forward to that. Oh, yeah. That's going to be cool. Oh, yeah. A.W. I'm Susie Culver. A.W. So, guys, let's get right to it. There's a lot on the line tonight with the Broncos and the Cardinals. Case Keenum still trying to find his way in Denver. His eight interceptions so far tied for the most in the NFL. That comes after he threw just seven in his entire 2017 campaign in Minnesota. The Cardinals are averaging the second fewest points per game, but things have picked up with Josh Rosen. They're averaging nearly 21 points a game in his starts. Big improvement from Sam Bradford. And Denver has allowed a 200-yard rusher in each of their past two games. The first time any team has done that in back-to-back games in the same season in NFL history. Von Miller confident they'll turn it around. We're going to get everybody's best this week. Um, they're going to get our whole team's best, and that starts with me. They're going to get my best this weekend. We're going to go out there and we're going to kick that This is the way I'm feeling. I'm going to say it's a must win. We're going to kick that though. Make sure you put that up there. We're going to kick that They're going to get our best this week. I know last week was tough the week before that, whatever. This week, Thursday night, prom time, they're going to get the Broncos best. NFL Nation Broncos reporter Jeff Legwald with us from outside State Farm Stadium. Jeff, this is out of character for Von Miller. So what do his comments mean to this team? Susie, we've seen irreverent Von Miller. We've seen even kind of somber Von Miller. We've never really seen angry Von Miller. And uh, I think this is an important time in the locker room. Von has been often content to stand back a little bit, let other people lead. I think this is an example of him finally sort of stepping forward. Peyton Manning's been gone for a couple of years. DeMarcus Ware's been gone for over a year. I think Von Miller is saying, uh, it's my time to step forward, and it's time that this team plays better than it has. Yeah, they need his leadership. And the run defense has been a weakness all season, facing David Johnson tonight. So what's been the approach this week? Susie, a, a few weeks ago, this team was in the top ten in run defense. They are now last. So it has been a difficult November or October, rather, for this team. And they uh, they say they've it's a, it's a run-fit thing. It's a technique thing and an effort thing. Vance Joseph, the coach, said this week many times it's a want-to deal on defense, essentially telling the players you have to want to play run defense the way we can and have in the past, but this is a departure for a once-proud unit that led the league in almost every significant category just a couple years ago. Uh, it's been a long week for them on a short week.
Mm. You know, when it's tackling, that's the issue. That's really frustrating. Okay, enjoy the game, Johnny G. Thank you, as always. And um, I was going to turn to Teddy Bruski, who I thought was <laughs> over there. Okay, so Teddy's over there. Teddy, Denver missed a season-high 11 tackles in their loss to the Rams. So show us what you're seeing from the Broncos' run D. Okay, Suze, the Broncos' run D. You, you heard it say the term want to. you got to want to stop the run. And first thing I'll ta- show you is that want to in terms of stopping the run has got to be a collective thing here along with everyone along the defensive front. You see everybody doing their job right there, but you've got to want to stop the run right there in terms of Von Miller running up the field wanting to rush the passer. Now there's a difference here because when you don't set the edge, the running back can just go in and back out. So everyone's got to be on the same page of stopping the run. You just can't run around and try to get sacks every single time. Now, stopping the run also technique-wise in terms of building a wall. You're going to see a lot of crash down from this side in the Denver Bronco defense. And when I stop this right here, there's a whole lot of bodies in the middle right about here. And this linebacker flowing from in to out, asking him to set the edge. Is this scheme? Is this effort? It's all wrong right here. I can't really coach this, okay? No edge, no chance is the saying. And there's Crowell going out the gate for another big game. And sometimes you just get out-schemed. That's what the Rams did here. What you're going to see here is Chris Harris. You see the motion here, and he's going to try to push this all the way across as this jet sweep motion comes across all the way to the linebacker. So the linebacker now is in a conflict. This fractures the defense because he thinks he's got jet sweep. You see the conflict right there. Where is he going? He's going to continue to go out here to the jet sweep, and then you see the lanes. Here it is. Here it is. That's the fracture defense when you get everyone over here playing one thing and then someone biting on the motion backside. To me, that's scheme. That's how defense is playing the run. So you talk about want to. You talk about setting the edge. You talk about making tackles. These are all problems Von Miller's talking about. And those are the problems he wants to solve tonight. Oh, my. And if this Broncos defense can't get healthy against a Cardinals offense that's ranked dead last in the NFL in yards, I don't know when they're (laughs) going to get better, right? So we know that the Cardinals, they rely on the running game. That's good for a young quarterback. What are you seeing from Joshua? Well, they're playing off that running game with the play fake to David Johnson. What they're doing is they're running the play action passes off of that, and they're giving Josh Rosen the opportunity to see the field off the play action fake. And as this play goes on, you'll see. You'll see the linebacker pop up here. He's going to play. He's going to react to the play action. But Josh Rosen's eyes are going to be on these two guys here. Safety here. Safety here. And as this play comes out, you're going to see the crossing route. So they're going to want a wide receiver across the field to hold the safety. Another one to hold the other safety. And he knows, what do I have? I have cover two, basically. I'm set up now. I have Cover two, I know what I have, and now I'm going to throw the ball to a spot on this football field, which is right here, and this is throwing your wide receiver open for the for the big play. That's what he's seeing. He's got the vision now. Here comes another play action pass. We're going to run right off of it, too. Now they're in what we call a three wide, three wide, three, three tight end formations, tight end here, tight end right here, and there's one here at the bottom here. So this is a run formation, and you're seeing 
the Minnesota Vikings react to this. All here, all these guys all lined up here close to the line of scrimmage, thinking it's first and ten. They're running the ball here in this situation. And as this play unfolds, you got two guys in the route. You got a guy here in the route, one here, and another one, another receiver here in this route. The play action comes up and the reaction here, the reaction here in this situation. And now you got a vision. Now he knows exactly where he wants to go with this ball. Now this is a throw you don't make at home. If you're a young quarterback, you don't make this throw. But he makes it for a completion and a tight fit here. But that's what you're getting. You're getting a play action. He can actually see the vision. The vision is there for him. He knows where the safeties are, and he's letting the ball go. So that's the comfort you're seeing in Josh Rosen. Young quarterback's coming along, though, right? Looks like that's a bright spot. Well, he has... I think talent, great talent. I think they like what they see. But, again, to your point, they're last in the league in almost every offensive yeah. category, and they think he's got a bright future. But so far, this offense has really struggled. Yeah, so that said, last in the league, and we know the Broncos struggles. So what does this mean for the coaching staffs and how much pressure, especially tonight? Well, it's very rare, I think, that we get seven games into a season and find two coaching staffs under such pressure like the Broncos and the Cardinals. But it's two different situations. With the Broncos, you have Vance Joseph coming under fire. Now, the Broncos haven't talked about making a head coaching change. They're not thinking about making a head coaching change. They don't want to make a head coaching change in the middle of the season. They don't have an obvious interim head coaching candidate, so it's a tough move to pull off. They don't plan to do it, but again, if this team loses continual games and continues to struggle and be soft, like John Elway said, anything's possible in time. But that's not the plan right now. The Arizona Cardinals on the flip side, with the offensive struggles being what they are, there's been a lot of pressure and a lot of questions about Mike McCoy, the offensive coordinator, who ironically enough, about a year ago, the Broncos relieved of his duties as their offensive coordinator. Now he's got a reputation for loading up that playbook and overloading some of the players, and that's a lot for a young rookie quarterback to absorb. So I think they're going to try to streamline some of this, but should they struggle on offense tonight? Keep the name Byron Leftwich in mind. He's their quarterback's coach. He's very highly thought of. And I think he's going to have a chance at some point in time to become an offensive coordinator in the league, if not in Arizona, if not relatively soon, depending on how tonight goes. Someone's going to lose. Someone's going to come under a lot of fire. And that's some of the fallout that could happen. All of this being on a short week for a Thursday game. So I think what you'll see tonight is what players want to respond for their head coach? Which, which one has the, really the pulse of the team and the team that says, you know what, coach, we got your back. We'll play for you. I know you, your job's on the line. You know, so is ours. Let's just go out there. This is all we got. This is all we need. Let's go play some football. You know, Von Miller's reaction was, was something that's outside the norm yeah, for that's him. That's, that was, right. that's not Von. Von doesn't make these kind of predictions to say those type of things. So it goes back to me what John Elway ended up saying. This, off, this defense has been soft. He called them out, and that's the last thing you want to hear if you're a defensive player. You don't want your GM or the head coach to call you soft. But let's be clear, okay? You mentioned, it was mentioned, that there's been a running back that's gone over 200 yards in two straight weeks against this Denver defense. That's never happened before. And I covered that Broncos team when Corey Dillon set a single-game rushing record with 278 yards at Cincinnati. That was embarrassing to Denver. This might be more embarrassing because it's on back-to-back weeks. And the other thing that you have to keep in mind also, and this is where you start to watch a guy like Vance Joseph, is last week I think there were a noticeable number of no-shows, probably about 10,000 people not going to the game. When it starts to affect the bottom line, the business, that's when they look to make changes. And the Broncos haven't had that kind of low turnout since Josh McDaniels was the head coach, who they relieved of his duties in season. Now, that 
was a different situation because there were other circumstances involved. Again, they're not thinking of it. They don't want to do it. They don't have an interim head coach in mind. But eventually, at some point, not tomorrow, I don't believe, not anytime real soon, but they got to get it straightened out or there's going to be a coaching change. Because Joseph is a defensive guy, he has to put his touch on that defense, and it might be to save his job. That's right. But but as he put it, this has to be a want-to game for all the players. For more perspective, let's bring in our Hall of Famer, Steve Young, to talk about the veteran quarterback on the Broncos side. So, Steve, we saw Case Keenum in person a few weeks ago on Monday night. What's not working? Well, Susie, you, you, you guys have been talking about it. They got trucked on the, in the run game on defense, unheard of. And then the offensive line has been spotty at best. So Case Keenum has now been asked to put on the Superman cape. That's not the job that he signed up for. He's not going to be Superman. And so, yes, he's forced some balls. Yes, he's tried to do too much. But he's put this team in a position to win. This is not about Case Keenum. If you're going to go to the Denver Broncos and go, oh, we need to change a quarterback. Oh, the quarterback's the problem. You are wrong. Case Keenum is going to be fine. You, you signed him to do a certain job, and he's doing that job. Everybody else has got to pick it up and meet him so that they can, you know, lead the way. He's not supposed to lead the way. And I think that that's what people are, you know, oh, the quarterback's supposed to win like John Elway. No, he's not going to be John Elway, but he's doing his job. Let's not look at Case Keenum in this situation. Let's talk about another veteran, Larry Fitzgerald. His dad, a longtime sports writer, has publicly ripped the coaching staff for how they're using or not using Fitzgerald. What do you think? Oh, that's helpful, right? Thanks. Thanks for the help. You know, I mean, you got a new the coach is trying to establish a, a winning culture, and trying to, and now we got the the best player in the game, the Hall of Famer. His dad's chirping in. That's that's great. I, I, look, it's very painful to watch what the offense is going through, but this is a young quarterback, and when you're young and you're in, you know, the, the lights are bright and your mind is racing, you don't know. It's like, oh, I know where Larry Fitzgerald is. I'll just throw him the ball. No, it's like you're just looking for open people. And people can get lost. And even when, look, when I was playing with Jerry, there are times when I was like, oh, yeah, I got to get the ball to Jerry. And you could, you know, as an older player, you can do that. But as a young player, like, I, I don't even, give it to Larry. I don't know where he, I'm not sure how to find him. I don't think that's a, the problem is how they're using Larry. They got bigger issues and, the, and people should just calm down and let people kind of matriculate down the, down the field there. Patience, especially for the young quarterback. Time now for the Modelo Gold Standard stat. Drew Brees became the NFL's all-time passing leader his last time out, and now he'll try to become the fourth player to throw 500 touchdowns. Brees is right in the thick of the MVP conversation. He's got the most passing yards, touchdown passes, and wins by any quarterback that's never won NFL MVP honors. Brees will face off against the Ravens in Baltimore this weekend. Brees has beaten 31 of 32 NFL franchises, but Baltimore's the only one he has yet to beat in his career. 0-4 as a starter. Here's Brees on facing a feisty Baltimore defense on Sunday. Hey, listen, um, I'd love to beat these guys, you know. Um, they're always a great team when you play them, you know, so you, you always know it's going to be um, a slugfest and... Um, don't get to play them all that often, right? It's, it's, it's a once every four year deal, you know, being AFC NFC. But um, they're a great team. Uh, number one defense in the league right now. Let's bring back our Hall of Famer, Steve Young, for QB Spotlight. Steve, who's got the best matchup this week? I think really anyone playing the San Francisco 49ers defense right now, but Jared Goff and the Rams come to town, and we've always said for weeks now, if the Rams lose, it's their own own fault. I really like this matchup because the 49ers gave up on Monday night. 
over 400 yards to Aaron Rodgers on one leg. So I feel like until they get the corner help and get the pass rush showed up a little bit last week, but they need corner help immediately. Which quarterback might have a less than favorable matchup? I think Marcus Mariota now goes to London, and I don't know what's happening there. The play call, I've never been really a fan of how they play offense for Marcus Mariota and how they call plays, but they're in a, they're in a muddled mess right now, and I don't like that matchup against the Chargers defense that is rising, who believes that they can win this division, which says a lot about that defense. Who do you want regardless of matchup? Well, Susie, week to week, I don't know if you know this, but it is Tom Brady until he's 45. We're going to just stay with him no matter what. He seems to handle everything. Now they go to Chicago. He probably gets Josh Gordon for a little bit. He's got Edelman back. He's got Gronk. Do you say 2007 again? No, don't get crazy, but they have a lot of talent all of a sudden. Which quarterback breaks out this week? I like Baker Mayfield going to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is the worst in the league in red zone inefficiency at 94%. I thought that we the Tampa Bay defense showed early, and now they've faded. I like Baker Mayfield in a breakout uh, game down in Tampa. Yeah, struggling so much. They have a new defensive coordinator this week. All right, let's bring Adam in. Adam, what's your QB storyline? Well, Susie, Brock Osweiler is going to start again for the Miami Dolphins, just as he did against the Chicago Bears and just as he's now expected to do a week from tonight on Thursday Night Football against the Houston Texans. He came in last week and helped win a game that a lot of people thought he couldn't. Ryan Tannehill has got that shoulder injury. The Dolphins right now aren't sure when he'll be able to throw again. And until he is able to do that, Brock Osweiler will step in, as he's done for Adam Gase and other cities in the past, and try to provide that relief. And if the Dolphins can find a way to beat the Detroit Lions this Sunday, the Dolphins then would be 5-2. and two. Wow. Who would have thought that the Dolphins would be 5-2, and two, no less with Brock Osweiler starting two of those games, Susie? Nine lives of Brock Osweiler. Time now for the fantasy football angle. Here's Matthew Berry with a quarterback love-hate. Thanks, Susie. Quarterback I love this week, Baker Mayfield with Browns, going up against that struggling Tampa Bay defense. Look, I know the fantasy production hasn't been there yet, but in his three starts, Mayfield averaging over 43 passing attempts a game. He is chucking it, and you can't ask for a better matchup. Tampa Bay giving up over 28 fantasy points per game to opposing quarterbacks this year. By the way, Mayfield ranks top eight in the NFL in terms of air yards per attempt. Bucks have really struggled against the deep pass. Mayfield, my 13th-ranked quarterback, heading into Week 7. As for a quarterback I'm not so high on this week, it's the Redskins and my Alex Smith going against that Cowboys' tough pass defense. Dallas is giving up the 8th-fewest passing yards per game this season. And frankly, due to their slow pace of play, opponents have attempted the 5th-fewest passes against them. Smith's fantasy ceiling has also been low this year. He has just one game with over 220 passing yards and multiple touchdown passes. Because the Redskins' defense has played mostly well this year, he hasn't needed to get into shootouts, and honestly, Smith just isn't really running. It's just one game with more than 15 rushing yards. Alex Smith, outside my top 20 quarterbacks this week. Geico presents Monster Counseling. Dracula, tell me how you're feeling. No one understands how lonely it is. No one will even let me into their house. I knock and I knock, but they ignore me. Uh Uh-huh. What else? I look in the mirror and... I don't even see myself anymore. If you don't see yourself clearly, can you really expect others to? I'm having a breakthrough. It's not easy to be a vampire. But with GEICO, it's super easy to switch and save hundreds on your car insurance. Teddy, so we heard you say you think it's really cool, but really, like, how does that make you feel, that, that something you started and, they, and it carries on? It's an honor, really. I think, I think also Slater's perfect because 
He's a special teams player. He's a special teams captain. He sort of encapsulates what a lot of those guys are about, that underdog, that that wide receiver that came that ended up turning into being one of the best special teams players in the league. So he's perfect to sort of encapsulate an entire week. And that's really what that moment is, Susie, because – it's hard during the course of the week. And on all NFL teams, they're telling you what you got to do, the pressure, get this right. I mean, what the other team's saying, don't give up too, informa- too much information, all of that. And so there's the moment where that sort of statement, you can say whatever you want. You know, you can say a Monday night victory about shutting up another player on a team or having success against a number one ranked defense or anything like that. You can just let it all out and sort of the, oh, yeah, is just like, a big exhale that you all need in that locker room once in a while when you play for Bill Belichick's, and, and it, it's it's really it's really validated. And sometimes I would break it down sort of as a statement in terms of take that coach, right? When Bill Bill would say this guy was so good, and you're not going to be able to do this, you're not going to yeah. be able to all those old yeah. Parcells, Parcells yeah. they just want to motivate you. Oh yeah, how we feel about shutting down a number one ranked yeah. offense or something like that, and you look at Bill. Oh yeah, and you break it down, so it's a lot of fun for the team. Who kind of decides, you know, who's going to do it? Like, who gets that? I, I think it's this the person that, um, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure someone else can do it, but they want to look to the guy that they think is you got to be a leader on the team, I think. you got to be a look to to say, Slater, what was it like? En- encapsulate the entire week. Tell us how it was mm-hmm. and how we should feel right now. And there were times we'd be winning a game. And it'd be the end of the third quarter, the beginning of fourth quarter, and I'm thinking about how I'm going to break it down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with guys on the side, yeah, I'm like, already over. What should I, I say, man? <laughs> how should I break it down? I wonder if Belichick, what if he would have said, I thought about if you would have been saying that. He, he didn't know that till now. <laughs> it would be taboo to bring it up at any other time, right? It has to be after a victory. It can never yeah. be yeah. during a week. It can never be. At a social occasion when teammates are gathered together, right? That's it's when the job's done. That's when it's it's most special, and when you're all there together, and then you you just you just let it out. Yeah. yeah. Do you use it in your life? Do I use it in my life? Uh huh. I have before. Yeah. There's there, you know my kids will. And I'll break it out in the house once in a while if we want to break it down or something like that. <laughs> or how, how I would encapsulate sort of a, a day or something like that. It's uh. You know, I'll still use it once in a while. And now it's spreading around ESPN. Now we got Stephen A. Smith saying it. Yeah, yeah everyone's doing <laughs> it. That's very cool. I thought it was very touching, too, your comeback game that yeah. Coach did it. Oh, yeah, like you could hear somebody say, like, wow, like Bill's going to break it down. Like everybody was sort of surprised at that moment. So uh, I always would love hearing different voices, and that's why I always sort of solicit teammates. I mean, how you want to break it down? You want to mm. break it down? Something like that. So you always try to get the, turn, the, the, the sort of feeling of the week. And you have to win. I mean, that's the, that's, the I mean that's the real tradition. The key to the tradition that's is the, that's you gotta the win. great point yeah. about it, right? There's yeah. you gotta all win about games, the winning. So. Did you guys have anything no, like that? No, we didn't. I mean, I don't think I could say what we used to do on TV. <laughs> but we, there were some traditions, and every, every team usually have it, but it starts with winning. You, you have to have a, a winning tradition, one, and then you have to have that special someone within your locker room. Our special someone was Michael Irvin. I mean, he was that guy that was flamboyant and would say certain things and get us riled up. But you have to have that certain individual, and, and Teddy was that guy to set the tradition there. Yeah. Really special. It was fun. Like Adam said, it was really fun to be able to sit here with you and watch that, too. Yeah, and yeah just it was sort special. Of, like, this is, this is a moment here. This is a good team. This oh. is a great Thursday yeah. edition yeah. of NFL Live. So, feeling good about this, I would, I would say something like, how we feel about a Thursday edition of NFL Live? Oh, oh yeah! yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that!
Michael. For a second straight week, Jags running back Leonard Fournette misses practice. Fournette hasn't played since week four when he injured his hamstring for a second time this season. If he can't go again this week, TJ Yeldon and Jamal Charles will get the bulk of the work against the Texans. Which leads to our running back spotlight. And Darren, you're up first. Who's the running back with the best matchup this week? Well, I'm going with Saquon Barkley. My guy. Yeah, that's your boy. Yeah. That's right. So I, you're watching what, what's going on in, in, with Atlanta. They're decimated by injuries. They can't stop anyone. Eli Manning's going to dump the ball off to Saquon Barkley, make, let him get his yards, or it's going to be in the running game. He's going to have – Saquon Barkley will have a huge game against this Atlanta Falcons defense. Eddie, which running back has the worst matchup this week? Suze, I'll go with the Patriots-Bears matchup. I think Sony Michelle is going to have a tough go of it. And this Bear defense is stout versus the run. Love Akeem Hicks in the middle. They let old man Frank Gore have their way with them, but they're still the unit that hasn't allowed a rushing touchdown. Sony Michelle in that offensive line, it's going to be tough going this week, so I'm going to say he has a tough matchup. Darren, who's the running back you want regardless of matchup? Well, I'm, I'm like, you listen, I think I'm like Steve Young. He always picks Tom Brady. I can go with this guy, Todd Gurley, every week. I love the matchup. This offense is explosive. They keep you off balance in the running game and the passing game. And this week, the 49ers missing tackles in the back end of their, uh, their secondary and the linebacker core. I like what I'm seeing with the Los Angeles Rams. Big game for Todd Gurley. Everybody's picking on the Niners defense. Mm-hmm. Teddy, who's your breakout candidate? He's our pick on the Denver Bronco defense. And based on what I've seen the last couple of weeks, I think everyone should because they haven't been able to stop the run. They've had their problems. I know Von Miller's motivated, but David Johnson's my breakout candidate. you got the young quarterback, DJ. you got to do something for this guy. you got to have more explosive runs. you got to hold on to the football. you got to be the guy this Arizona Cardinal offense counts on. Breakout candidate. And which storyline are you watching? Listen, we've got a great matchup Sunday afternoon. The Saints and the Ravens. And the Ravens are one of the best defenses in the league, and they are tough to run against. But this is a tandem right here that runs against everybody. Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram. They get this matchup after a bye week, and you see the numbers that they've been putting up. Ingram, in that first game, they are 16 rushes, two receptions the last week, and Kamara, you see the numbers. The knee was bothering him at that point in time. He was on the injury report. He gets a week to rest. Ingram gets further indoctrinated into the offense. Great offense, great defense. Hey, you sound like you're picking the game. You're picking the game, aren't you? (laughs) I'm not picking the game. I'm just telling you it's a great matchup. I'm looking forward to that one. They have that one-two punch back at running back. Time now for running back love-hate. Here's Matthew Berry. Thanks, Susie. Running back I love this week, the Bears' Tariq Cohen at home against the Patriots. As Chicago's offense has grown under Matt Nagy, Cohen has seen the snaps increase each of the last three games, and... Not surprisingly, when you get more snaps, you often get more fantasy points. Last two games, Cohen averaging 16 touches and 147.5 scrimmage yards, right? He scored in both games. And I expect Cohen's success to continue against a Patriots defense that so far this year has given up the fifth most receiving yards to opposing running backs. Three Cohen, a top 20 play for me this week. Part of the reason I'm so high on Cohen this week is because I'm down on his backfield mate, Jordan Howard. Unlike Cohen, Howard playing fewer snaps than he was earlier in the year. He has just one game all season with more than 15 carries. On top of that, Howard has not caught a single pass in either of the last two games. As Cohen has emerged, it's meant less touches for Howard, and I believe that trend continues on Sunday. This matchup, it simply favors Cohen more as the Patriots struggle against pass-catching running backs, but New England has allowed only one rushing score all season long. As a result, Jordan Howard outside my top 20 for the week. Hey, that's something cool to look forward to on ESPN+. Plus. 
I have not played quarterback bingo yet. We got this. The guys are going to spin, it. and hopefully Steve Young gets lucky and there's a quarterback what? he actually wants to talk about. They're all in what? there. All right, Teddy, who's Where's up first? Where's Peyton for this? Oh. <laughs> right here, Steve, the Washington Redskins. We're talking about a little Alex Smith. You know, I, I don't know how you guys feel, and maybe you guys should chime in too, because Alex, to me, has has been pushed by Patrick Mahomes as a success. I feel like last year when he was when they drafted him, he was more aggressive early and then faded. We know that he's uh, Alex is overprepared. Alex is very careful. Alex is not going to make a lot of mistakes. Alex is not going to lose your ball games. But what Alex needs to do is go win games himself sometimes, and that's a lot of art that, that doesn't come naturally to him. I think Patrick showing so much art out of the field, throwing the ball, running around. I think that Alex is inspired by that. I think you're going to see a more art- artistic Alex Smith this season because of what's happened with Patrick Mahomes last year and this year. What do you guys think? I agree. I think what you're seeing, I think he well, he has. He's been inspired by I mean, Patrick Mahomes. He's, he was probably seeing that every day in practice and said, you know what, I can do a little bit of some of that. I'm athletic. I can get out on the edges and I can make the throws. Now, he he doesn't have the arm strength to get it down the field like Patrick Mahomes, but you're seeing him buy time for some of the receivers and they're making plays and they're winning some crucial games. I know fans in Washington, they want to see it consistently though, Steve, taking shots down the field when they're there. A lot of head shaking when all the, all it is, a lot of check downs to Chris Thompson, those type of receivers. It's like, please, please take some shots, especially when you got the game on the line. Matthew Berry predicted a big week for Alex Smith this week. We'll see if he is correct. Darren, who's up next for Steve and quarterback bingo? Get me. Thanks, Steve. You have the New York Giants, Eli Manning. Oh, thanks, you guys. Perfect. (laughs) This this has no drama to it at all. This one's easy. Uh, (laughs) Look, look, Eli's in a bad spot because you want to be in a – as a quarterback, when you're pressured, when you have people coming down on you, people doubting you, people questioning you, especially existentially whether your career is over or not, you want to have the wherewithal to go fix it. You want to have all the assets necessary to go make it better. And Eli doesn't. And that's the problem. Not only does he not have the assets personally, he doesn't have the assets around him to protect him and, 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 and go do it. So and, and so to me, this is a really bad spot for Eli Manning because we're still early in the year. And either he needs to kind of re-energize and kind of find new places for him to go lead this football team, or this is going to get harder and harder. Can I ask one quick follow-up? Because, Steve, you know we're asking you this on Monday night, so here's a preview. But do you think Eli still has it? He has enough of what he's always had, and he's never going to be the one that's going to – he's not a created guy. He's not going to create. He's going to – Kind of follow on, and if things are people are open, he'll hit them. If uh, you know, he'll go through the reads, and I, if he gets protected, he's got a shot. But you know, if he's not protected, and you know, there's not a way to, there's no one open, and he has to create some space and try to go figure that. That's never going to happen. So that's diminishing. We understand that that's diminishing, maybe more quickly than we thought. Well, last year when he almost lost his job, we thought maybe that was it. There's nothing that's going to, there's no uptick coming. It's not all of a sudden it's going to change the trajectory. So I think the pressure is on everybody else to make sure he's protected, make sure the people are wide open, make sure that, because he can still throw the football. Okay, just a preview. Steve, we will see you in Atlanta. One thing you can't say for Eli Manning, he's been the Iron Man, which is something you can't say for every other quarterback in the NFL. 
this week, not a surprise, Dolphins quarterback Ryan Tannehill will not play in Sunday's game against the Lions because of a shoulder injury. Brock Osweiler will start for the second consecutive week. Dolphins coach Adam Gase said he needs to see Tannehill make all the throws before he feels comfortable with Tannehill playing. And Adam Schefter is in the Domino's pregame HQ. Adam, any timetable for Tannehill at this point? Susie, it looks like at least two weeks right now, this week and next week, in addition to the one week that he missed. And then they'll see after that point in time, they can reassess Ryan Tannehill, see whether he can throw. But again, we know he's ruled out for this week, and it doesn't look like he's going to be able to play next Thursday night against Houston. So two more starts for Osweiler till the Dolphins can get a feel for Tannehill at this point in time. They're not planning any surgery. They're not planning additional checkups like that. So we'll just continue to wait to see whether he can bounce back from that shoulder injury that held him out last week. And we'll hold him out this week as well. The Bills will have newly signed Eric Anderson starting for the injured Josh Allen this week against the Colts. What's the latest on how long Allen might be out? Susie, this sounds like multiple weeks right now, multiple games. And it's just a question of how he's doing. His MRI results were sent to Dr. Anderson this week to evaluate to see what he could do and Dr. Andrews excuse me and so at that point in time they'll give him some rest they'll allow the elbow to calm down we saw Marcus Mariota miss two starts when he was dealing with a nerve in his elbow and I think that right now Josh Allen is dealing with the same plus you've got a situation where they don't want to subject him to any additional punishment as a young quarterback they need to take their time with him not rush him back They're not talking about it being a season-ending injury right now. They believe he'll be back at some point in time. But right now, it does look like multiple weeks for Josh Allen. How about some other injuries to watch, starting with Rams wide receiver Cooper Cup? Susan, they're not going to have him this week. Obviously, he's going to be out after suffering the injury on that horse-collar tackle in Denver. He came around on this reverse Got taken down by Darian Stewart. It looked like it could have been much more severe than it actually turned out to be. It's a sprained MCL that will prevent him from playing this week. Josh Reynolds is expected to take his spot in the starting lineup for the Rams, but no Cooper Cup on Sunday against the 49ers. And then as for the Washington Redskins, who played last week without Chris Thompson, who's been nursing rib and knee injuries, he's been limited in practice this week, and I still think it's going to be tough for Thompson to come back and play again this week as much as Washington needs him in that late Sunday afternoon matchup against the Dallas Cowboys with a lot on the line in terms of NFC East ramifications. And Chris Thompson is so good and so important to that offense, and they're missing a real dynamic playmaker when he's not there. I think it's going to be tough for him to play this week. We'll see. They will miss his versatility. Our Week 7 Monday Night Football matchup has Saquon Barkley, Odell Beckham Jr. and the Giants in Atlanta to take on Julio Jones, Matt Ryan and the Falcons. 815 Eastern, 515 Pacific on ESPN. Also simulcast on ESPN2 in Spanish and available on the ESPN app. Our coverage begins with Monday Night Countdown at 6 p.m. Eastern. After Giants owner John Maris said he wished OBJ would create his headlines by his play as opposed to what he says and does off the field, Mara added he plans to sit down with Odell and discuss the comments that created all the noise. Head coach Pat Shermer addressed the team's mindset today. Yeah, well, we got one, right? Yeah, but we're gonna get yeah to, to get the next one and the next one and the next one. That's that's the that's the goal. You know we, you know there's listen teams fight through adversity, and you know it's in the Giants DNA to pull this thing out. I've seen it. I've studied the history of it, and I like the locker room that we've assembled. I'm, I'm impressed with the guys that we have in the locker room, and I know they're gonna fight. 
just not with each other. <laughs> Time for making smarter decisions informed by IBM Watson as we welcome in NFL Nation Giants reporter Jordan Renan. So, wow, this is a lot of drama. What can we expect from Odell Beckham and the Giants moving forward? Yeah, as you just heard, John Mara, he said, he told Newsday that he's going to sit down and he's going to talk with Odell, right? This is something that he's done in the past. Every time these incidents have come up, Mara and Odell have eventually sat down and they've discussed it and they've talked it out. And look, the Giants are aware. They understand they have to make this work. They have to get this right. Everything with Odell and their offense, right? This is a guy they just signed to a $90 million deal. He's going to be here. He's not going anywhere. So it has to work with him there, with John Mara, with Pat Shermer. And Shermer's talked with him constantly. They maintained constant communication with the two. Even when Shermer just came on, one of his first moves was to open lines of communication with Beckham. And that has continued on until now. Now, there is all this drama. When I speak to Odell, the impression I get is, look, this is all just frustration, right? Frustration of the Giants losing playing poorly, the offense being unsuccessful. And really, if you look at it, he's on pace for three touchdowns. That's a significant decline from any other year when he was healthy in his career. Now, the frustration, it keeps building. And as Eli Manning said, all this talk around them, it's something that they have to deal with. It's always something they're going to have to be able to overcome. But you see, even with Eli, there's cracks showing. Eli Manning, who's one of the most impenetrable personalities you could probably come up with in the NFL, I asked him the other day, I said, look at all the points that are being scored, the touchdowns being thrown. You have six touchdown passes in six games. What do you make of that? Like, how do you sort of rationalize that? And what he said to me was, look, you tell me. And for me, that was a little sign that even Eli Manning, is getting frustrated. So that's where the Giants and Eli Manning are at right now at one and five. Well, sounds like sounds like a little bit of a breaking point. Everybody's got one. Okay, thanks, Jordan. Tomorrow we expect to hear from Odell Beckham, and we will bring that to you right here on NFL Live. Of course, since the Giants are on Monday Night Football, lots and lots and lots more to come on OBJ. Time now to spotlight the pass catchers. Teddy, Pass catcher with the best matchup this week. I'll go with the track meet of the week, in my opinion. That's Bengals and Chiefs. I'm going to go with A.J. Green versus the Kansas City Chiefs defense. And why? A.J. Green, he's right up there with the best in the league in terms of catching passes down the field. And this Chief defense, you've seen them give 40-plus points up last week to the New England Patriots. And you know Mahomes is going to be going up and down the field. So they're going to have to keep up somehow, some way. This defense is kind to these receivers lately. A.J. Green is going to have a big day, a productive day. Flip side, who's got the worst matchup? i got to go with the Tennessee Titans' Corey Davis. And what we're seeing in Tennessee right now, they cannot generate drives. They cannot throw the ball down the field. Marcus Mariota's having problems finding his receivers, and you're going up against a San Diego Chargers defense that's becoming stout on the back end of that defense. They're getting after the quarterback. If Tennessee can just generate some offense, I'd give them some love. But right now, Corey Davis is going to have a rough time in this football game. Do we do push-ups on this show? We should. San Diego? I didn't say. You said San Diego. Uh, (laughs) I was going to try to let it go. Who do you want regardless of matchup? Adam Thielen. Susie, anytime, anywhere, give me Adam Thielen, the most productive wide receiver in the game. Love this undrafted guy right here. Don't sleep on him because he's got speed. He can run routes. He's crafty and instinctive. 
and he's starting to be the best friend with Kirk Cousins. So the relationship is developing. He will have a good day. I'll take him any day of the week. Right. Doesn't seem like he has a bad day. Dude can Ever. run around. Dude Never. can run around. Yeah. 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 Who's breaking out this week? I'm going with Damian Ratley with the Cleveland Browns last week. And you saw what he did last week in his first start as a rookie. Six catches for 82 yards in his first start. And this is what gets a San Diego defense. That's like I just said, it's pretty stout. But Baker Mayfield has some faith. And you're starting to see that faith that he has in Damian Ratley. And I think this kid is weak as the weeks progress. And, and, and he, he continues to be more of a, a guy that can that they feel comfortable with. You'll start to see them showcase Damian Ratley as the season progresses. Is that San Diego again? That, you know what, man? That's your fault. <laughs> I, 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 we had this discussion. Give me some of push up right here. How many? Had this discussion. San Diego again? Oh, uh, yeah. How are we feeling about the push ups on NFL? Oh, yeah. That's your fault, Susie. Hold me to it. He's piling on. What's your pass catcher storyline? Well, T.Y. Hilton is back at practice this week, and it looks like he's on track right now to play on Sunday for the Indianapolis Colts as they get ready to take on, I believe it's the Buffalo Bills this week, right? <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, that is correct. Check the list. He's missed the last two games. And look, yes. Eric Ebron's been a one-man wrecking crew yes, for Andrew yes. Luck. Yeah. But T.Y. Hilton will come back and give Andrew Luck some added targets that he hasn't had. The last couple of games, that would be a big addition for Indianapolis' offense if T.Y. Hilton could continue to stay healthy and get past those hamstring injuries and yeah. play again. About time we talked about some defense, don't you think? Yeah, it's about you, time. You know, yeah, you guys on the love. show, I think. Yeah. yeah. Newton shuffles up. Long pass down the right side. Funches doesn't get turned around in time. Intercepted. Norman, first interception since 2016. Josh Norman against his former team. Hemmed in and tackled. Yeah, the 29. Washington's defense, no doubt, on the rise in 2018. One of the most improved defensive units in football. The Redskins ranked top 10 in yards per play and scoring defense. But the biggest improvement has come against the run. They're sixth in rushing defense this season after they had the worst run D in the NFL last season. It's great to have safety and defensive captain DJ Swearinger on the show with us. So, DJ, on NFL Live last week, I predicted that your defense was going to come out on fire against the Panthers after that loss to the Saints. What was the mood mm-hmm. like all week leading up to that game? Um, it was definitely a serious mindset. Um, we had to go back to the drawing board. Uh, we had a terrible performance against the Saints, so we wanted to get that bad taste out of our mouth. So the only way we got, got that bad taste out of our mouth is going out and dominating and winning. And uh, we did a great job of doing that. And now we're on to the Cowboys to, you know, repeat. You know, Josh Norman had such a big game against his former team. He's received a lot of criticism from outside the organization mm-hmm. and inside. What's been your approach with Josh? Um, you know, he, you know, he had a slow start, um, but uh, you know, he, he's bounced back. You know, the game that he had last week is the one. You know that everybody's familiar with that that type of Josh Norman right there. You know, um, when he when he gets in, he's locked in, and he's you know into everything. You know, he's he's a hard guy to beat uh, with his technique and how he plays the game. Um, so uh, if he stays locked in, locked in the whole year, man, we're gonna be a tough secondary to, to pass on. What did you make of the criticism? 
Oh um, man, it is. It was what it was. You know, he didn't. He didn't really get into it as much. You know, he seen it as a challenge. And um, as as DBs, we seen it as a challenge. You know, to back him up. You know, when you know the world, the whole world is going against him. You know, we try to. You know, as DBs, you know, not even look at that, but you know, do what we can do on the field so that you can get the, get those critics off him. And he did that job. You know, I think Redskins fans really want to know overall. What needs to happen with this franchise to make you guys a consistent winning franchise? Um, like I said, it starts in practice. It starts and ends in practice. Um, if we homed in in practice, you know, if no laughing, no giggling, everybody is tuned in, focused on the small details. If all 11 doing that on the defensive side of the ball and on, and on, on both sides of the ball, offense as well, um, including the special teams, if we had that mindset that we, that we are a championship team and we need to practice like a championship team, we'll make it happen. But, um, until then, you know, we'll still be that, you know, the, um, 500 team that we've been but um i think this this week and um last week we, we've had a sense of urgency that you know we, we trying to change this culture for the good yeah, your defense is ranked number five right now what have those big guys mm-hmm. up front the bama wall meant to this defense they mean a lot, man. I love those guys, those, those guys up front. Um, you see Big Allen, um, you know, he's everywhere all over the, all over the field. Um, 95, Big Payne, you know, I see Big Payne every week chasing down a screenplay, you know, at 330 pounds, you know, I, um, that's, that's somebody I talked about last year, you know, trying to get him. Now we finally got him. You know, he's been phenomenal for us. And, um, another one, Big, Big 98, Big Madden, Ionitis, you know, he's, he's a silent assassin, man. He, you know, those three guys in there, Interior, you know, I can, you know, I can hope for any other interior than those three guys because, you know, with them three, man, it's hard to beat our interior. So you guys are number one in the NFC East right now. Big division game against the Cowboys coming up. I'm wondering, what did you mm-hmm. take away from the film? The, the Jags were the number one defense in the NFL, and what the Cowboys did against them. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, they did a lot of great things against them. You know, they switched it up a lot. Um, you know, they ran the ball with Zeke when they had a chance. They also got them, you know, they got them good on a lot of screen passes. So, you know, they tried to utilize Zeke in the pass game. Um, Cole Beasley is a heck of an athlete. You know, we're going to have, we're going to have our hands full with him. Um, he does a lot of great things in the slot and, you know, when they put him on the outside. So, um, they got a lot of good weapons. You know, Dak is controlling the offense, um, very well. You know, the best that I've seen them do it. So, um, man, we got our hands full, but uh, we, we've been locked in this week on the details and the focus, and I think Coach has a great game plan, and we're ready on Sunday. Okay, one league thing. Since the start of the season, you've been outspoken on the roughing the passer penalties. How do you think that's evolved since preseason? Um, well, I, th- this past, this past, I, I didn't hear much about it this past week, but you know, um, it's definitely hard for those guys up front, you know, anytime they're going full speed and have to just stop like that and, um, you know, go to the side, you know, that's tough. You know, you, you asking a, a whole lot out of those 300 pounders, man, but, um, it is what it is. You know, the league wants us to, you know, go by the rules. So the only thing we can do is try to hit the quarterback and, um, you know, fall off to the side, but you know, it's, it's, it's definitely something something tough to do, but as pros, you know, we all got to do it. Okay, DJ, let's end on a light note because we know that you're known for your toughness and swag on the field, but also Mm -hmm. for your swag and style off the field. What's the inspiration for your (laughs) pregame attire? 
Um, inspiration, I say I gotta, I gotta go with Prime. Man. Prime always, you know, Prime, Prime Time Deion Sanders, you know, he, he's, you know, he set the standard for all the DBs, for all the swag. So, you know, anytime you, you go into the game, you gotta look good, man. You gotta look good, you know. And um, if you look good, you play good. You play good, they play good, man. So, uh, you know, you gotta have, you gotta have some confidence with your swag when you walking in the stadium. So, you know, when you put on that jersey, you know, you, you feeling swagged out. All right. Well, we'll look forward to seeing what you've got on this coming weekend. <clears throat> Best of luck. Thanks for spending some time with us. Thanks for having me. And as we know, he is a tough guy. Mm-hmm. So finally on the show, defense takes center stage. Here we go. I don't know why we're not leading with this in the show, guys. <laughs> right. Teddy, who is your defensive lineman to watch this week? Well, a lot of the attention in Chicago goes to Khalil Mack and a lot of the linebackers, but the tough guy in there is Akeem Hicks, and he's the defensive tackle, Susie, that's getting after the quarterback, sacking him, forcing fumbles. Very quietly, one of the best defensive tackles in the league. I would put him top four, definitely up in there. He is playing that well. Run stopper, still getting interior pass rush. A very good player that's going to have a great game versus New England. They better double team this guy. He's a load. And your linebacker to watch. Well, my linebacker to watch now, Susie, it's all of the Broncos because all of them got to step up. When Von Miller calls out everybody, you're talking Brandon Marshall, you're talking Todd Davis, anybody, inside linebacker, outside linebacker, Chubb, it's a linebacker problem to stop the run. So that's what they got to do tonight. Watch them because if David Johnson has a big night, look to the backers of the Denver Broncos. Darren, who's the DB you have your eye on? I got my eyes on Darius Slade with the Detroit Lions. You know, they're playing the Miami Dolphins this week. Brock Osweiler has been known to throw to the opposite jersey. Darius Slade is going to have opportunities. He's going to be a guy that's going to be matched up one-on-one most of the day in, in those opportunities. And will have opportunities through Osweiler and that Dolphins offense for some interceptions to get his hands on the ball. Very, very talented and has been one of the most consistent cornerbacks for years in this league. Adam, a defensive storyline you're watching. Well, we saw Tampa Bay change coordinators this week, and Mark Duffner will call his first game as the Buccaneers' new defensive coordinator. He will do it against Baker Mayfield and the resurgent Browns offense as Tampa tries to stop the bleeding because the defense has been awful this year. So it'll be up to Mark Duffner to correct that going forward. Mike Smith out on Monday. Mark Duffner in this Sunday. Normally we don't do a kicker spotlight, but you have a little something special. Well, listen, Adam Vinatieri, 10 points away from becoming the NFL's all-time points leader. Wow. And if you go back to last year, he missed two field goals against Buffalo, the team he'll be kicking against this Sunday, in the snow, I should say, that not only would have moved him closer this week, but cost him a half million dollars last they year. They counted those? They counted that. That. <laughs> a half million dollars. But Adam Vinatieri, we all know, is the best kicker in the snow. He's going to go right to the Hall of Fame once his playing career is done, five years after that. And he will have the chance this Sunday, 10 points, which for most kickers is a lot. And it's probably a bit ambitious, but you know they're going to be trying for it, too. So if they can win the game, find a way to get it done, I'd be pretty great to see Adam. Quite an accomplishment that would be. Set the record. That's unbelievable. I'm stuck on the 500000 day loss. You should have collected the money. Like, yes, exactly. What an asterisk by that. I mean, come on, it's going outside. 90% of his tries to trigger the bonus? Come on. 
Come on, man. That's one less Ringo Star guitar that Jim Mercy has to buy to pay that incentive off. That's right. That's what the Colts said. Oh, oh, yeah. Come on. Week 7 kicks off tonight. Broncos, Cardinals. We're going to pick the game, but first, you've got a nugget on tonight's Well, Susie, while it's blustery here on the East Coast, they're going to have the roof open tonight in Arizona where it's 79 oh, yeah. degrees in oh. Teddy's old stomping ground. So, mm. 79 open roof. For nice. the game tonight. I don't know how that plays into things, but I know how like? it plays. <laughs> I'm going with Arizona Cardinals, and until your Denver Broncos, your Denver Broncos, until your Denver Broncos stop the uh, stop the bleeding as far as stopping the run, 200 yards back to back weekends. I'm going with Arizona Cardinals. Both head coaches have sort of indirectly put out challenges to their team, all right, emphasizing how important this game is. I just think it's going to be the Denver Broncos with Vaughn Miller taking the lead about it's time that we stepped up and stopped the bleeding in terms of 200-yard rushers, stop the run. I just see Case Keenum making fewer mistakes than the young kid in Arizona and Rosen. I, think, I see him throwing it to the other team. Broncos defense making a few plays. They pull it out, 27-23. Oh, you don't pick, huh? You know, no, Susie, welcome to the I'm Thursday with, show. I'm with Teddy. I'm with Teddy. I wouldn't. I'd never go against an angry defense. Okay. They had, two, guys, they had three days to fix that. They're, they're <laughs> on a short that's week. It. It, it's on the one-two on the short week. It's about the one-two. How about the push-ups for the for the whole charge? It's historically bad. See you tomorrow on NFL Live. What is next?